0: Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. A podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome to to the the Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Hi, this is Till, and the Thinking Practitioner Podcast is supported by ABMP, Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education and quick reference apps, legislative advocacy and much more. AMAP CE courses, podcast and Massage and Bodywork magazine always feature new perspectives and expert voices in the profession, including my co-host Whitney Lowe, including my regular Somatic Edge column and including our guest today, Cal Kate Thinking practitioner listeners can save on joining ABNP at abnp.com slash thinking. Check them out, Cal. Welcome. Thanks for coming by.
1: Oh, it is my pleasure. I I will take any opportunity I can to talk with you about pretty much anything.
0: Well, um, likewise, and this is this is a good one. I mean, I my initial outreach and to this moment to say this is a topic that makes me a little nervous. Yeah. And you're just the person that I would like to talk to in that state about this question. Let me just say a little bit about you, and you can say a little more if you want. You're sure. the Education Director at HealWell, I know, which is a pretty cool organization. Uh, I don't. I remember reading it a couple of days ago. Your mission was like uh, touch, teach, advocate. Is that yep. right? That's that, correct. That is so cool. And then you're also the host of, or one of the hosts of Interdisciplinary podcast yep yes where you do some really great conversations uh anything else that people should know about you at this point
1: well i want to clarify i'm the executive director because they don't really need to be the education director that's that's rebecca sturgeon right Uh, she you know they they ask me questions sometimes but mostly i'm not the boss i'm the uh i'm the show pony so, but yes.
0: <laughs> is that what the executive director is? That's,
1: That's right. We actually, we just did a thing in our, in our online community um, that uh, where each of the staff, uh, leadership staff, because we have a service director, myself, education director, we have um, operations and education. And each of us had to represent various aspects of our job in pictures. And um, for my main like job description, I just put a picture of a little like circus monkey having makeup put on its cheeks um, because I really I work with such smart people at Heal well and cool. passionate people who help me to make our messages matter and just to think through the things that are hard about being a person. So if I say anything intelligent, I give all the credit to the the Heal Wellians who I get to work with every day. That's
0: great. So, So great to be part of a team. Yeah. Play those roles. Okay. So about a month ago, you posted an essay, mm-hmm. blog post or something. You called it Strange bedfellows Mm -hmm. and youth came right out of the gate with massage therapy has a sex problem what's yeah so what's the sex problem as you see it
1: well, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we should make it plural uh, okay. because I, I think it's complicated, and I, yeah. I think this is why. You know, it, it's interesting that that blog actually um, was submitted to multiple association publications and various uh, avenues within the profession that all said, nope, no, thanks. We're not. We're not going to publish this." And um, and that even you know the the group of folks who sort of do the editorial review uh, at one of the places just said that they, they, the conversation they had about it was just so heated. And so it was so clear, you know, from their perspective that this could not run in a in a national publication or as anything that could even potentially be perceived as a message that was supported by our professional associations. And um, I I find that. Wow. And so
0: I call you up and say, let's talk about this. What Mm -hmm. does that, what does that say about Um, me i don't know but yeah but i think you're onto something you're you're just laying the groundwork for for why the, that's even a problem, the problem absolutely
1: is. well yeah. and I, I think that we're at a very and maybe every person who's ever lived who paid attention would say i'm living in a very interesting time but yeah. i feel like we are in a very interesting time right now where the status quo is being questioned in so many ways and so many places and as much as we sort of philosophically hate the status quo it's comfortable. We have established coping strategies. We have survival mechanisms. We know how to operate with the game being played the way it's always been played. And so when we suggest that we, that we bring things out into the open, that we've just sort of taken for granted, people go, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Like, I get what you're saying, but that sounds hard. It sounds painful. It sounds, insert unpleasant adjective. It just sounds like a thing I'd rather not do. Um, and I think particularly on the tales of the Me Too movement, all the conversation about rape culture, consent, there's just so much rolled into massage therapists in particular. I mean, we we tend at Heal Well to kind of speak to healthcare providers broadly, which we absolutely include massage therapists in that description. But that massage therapists in particular really um, get upset about the idea that humans are sexual beings and that sex could even come up in our treatment rooms and you know it's not (laughs) people are sexual beings and we like to talk about wholeness we like to talk about health we like to talk about all these things that we you know we hold space for our clients we say we pride ourselves on being good listeners we we say that we do all these things but you know if i'm looking at at a person as like sections of what's really essential to them sex is such a limiting word in our culture and it it means an act right and that to be a sexual being is something much broader that again dips into pleasure which is another loaded word in our culture and a thing that you have to qualify for and that you should experience privately and there are just a lot of stories so Strange Bedfellows um, and that that blog was really inspired by what those of us here at Healwell who are always thinking about like, how do we elevate the consciousness and the ways that we think about what we're doing? We started looking at, you know, that now there are sex work advocacy organizations that are getting involved in legislation in ways that could wind up affecting massage therapy regulation. And that because we continue to skirt around this conversation, it doesn't occur to the sex work advocacy organizations to reach out to massage therapy. And I don't think massage therapy would answer the phone. You know, if they called as a profession, we would say, that's not us, we don't do that, which strictly speaking is accurate. Massage therapists are not sex workers, but there are also some massage therapists who are sex workers. And my biggest concern about this whole, confusing. Well, gosh, I don't have one single concern, but one of my big concerns is that what we wind up doing in trying to create distance between massage therapists and those people is that we demonize sex and and the sexualness of our humanness and that people who want sex or who would ask for sex are bad people or those people. And how do we have this conversation without having people who have actually been victimized in their practices, people who have been stalked, assaulted, people who have a history of sexual assault, people who are reasonably triggered and have actually perhaps experienced unsafe things in their practices. How do we have this conversation without the perception that what we're saying is that doesn't happen or that doesn't matter? And we stay in it is how we do it right we we notice that we want to run from the conversation but we hold on to our chairs and we say okay this is not a 20 minute conversation this is something much deeper and it it is about culturally going upstream um, you know in conversations that we've been so we're hosting an intimacy and in healthcare symposium coming up and our posts about it Yeah, designed to invite people into like, woo. they're designed to make people go, wait a minute, what? And we have experienced some interesting conversations on our on our Facebook wall about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And people, you know, everything from, oh, thank God you're taking this on to we actually had a woman write WTF. This is so unprofessional. What people do in their bedrooms is none of my business. And and I just I want to call that person who, of course, their settings are private. You can't even reply to them. You can't engage. So that was like, I was like, oh, like I want to talk to this person and say, like, tell me more.
0: Yeah. Well, that's maybe, maybe we're replying now. Maybe there's lots of yeah. ways to reply. But so let me catch up a little bit. That's really. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That was that's a lot. Great. No, that's good. You're saying there are multiple problems and they yeah. include the fact that it doesn't get talked about Definitely. or that it's so loaded that we have such a line between what we do as massage therapists or body workers and what uh other people do that involve sex there's like a line you said like a bright line yeah and you call it, make you it an fine. imaginary line or would you say something like yeah.
1: that? yeah yeah imaginary
0: because and see if i see if i'm following you uh touch intimacy pleasure senses exist on a continuum absolutely and we uh we don't work in just one spot on that continuum from our side of it either, exactly, so you're saying that because we pretend like we do because we draw a line, we're missing conversations, we're missing uh, awareness of what's going on, and we might be setting ourselves up through various blind spots
1: absolutely, and you know there are so many angles that we can come at this from in terms of I mean in an overarching way and this is one of the things I talk about towards the end of the blog is that our goal at healwell is to support humans in achieving liberation. Yeah. And even the the idea of liberation I think people go oh what is that? Like that doesn't sound like a thing that I'm that you know like I don't even know where to start with that and then you know it starts with being willing to admit that you are not free now that like you have hang-ups, whether it be about sex, whether it be about money, whether it be about like, there's so many things that are essential to functioning in our culture that prevent us from experiencing a sense of liberation. And so when we talk about, when massage therapists talk about, let's take the Atlanta shootings um, at the spas, I guess it was almost a year and a half ago now, which is kind of the the linchpin of the Strange Bedfellows blog.
0: And catch us up a little bit, but people might not know what you're referring to. So-
1: yeah so seven seven people were killed. Um, a young white man showed up at a couple of uh spas in the Atlanta area outside Atlanta uh, Asian spas as they've been called it 's very difficult to get any i mean there's some really extensive articles out there about exactly how those operations ran, you know people trying to answer the question was human trafficking taking place? Was sex work taking place? And that the first, the massage therapy profession kind of in our social media response, the first thing we did was really to say, that's not us. You know, this is a shame that these things exist. Like we didn't even take a beat to say, wow, seven people were murdered by a person who, and this is the part that I think, there's not one part. One of Mm -hmm. the many parts is that, what has to happen in your life to feel like taking a weapon into a place and shooting people you've never met is, is how you're going to discharge whatever feelings you might be having. And that in, in a lot of ways. So a bookend of that woman who said WTF, this is so unprofessional. Another woman said, so what you're talking about is complete cultural overhaul. And I said, yes, I hope you'll come along. Like, That is what we are talking about. We are talking about, these are crimes of power. These are crimes of toxic masculinity. These are crimes of people who feel disconnected and who have suffered from a lack of intimacy, which is rampant in our culture. That, you know, we can, like, I really appreciate the philosophy or sort of the the idea of programs like Respect Massage, where we want to say, like, this is, I want to tell you- Let's
0: hang on a second. I want to get to that, but let me go okay. back for a second. Can you yeah. help those of us who stop hearing you at the phrase toxic masculinity?
1: <laughs> yes. About yes. What, you, what
0: you're what you referring to and what you mean?
1: I think it is like, um, I think one of the questions you and I discussed in, in getting ready yeah. to have this conversation was sort of um, who suffers from this dynamic. Uh, yeah. And I I think this is another thing that prevents us from liberation is our willingness to say that white men suffer from this dynamic also that you know we put a name on it so people know what we're talking about right and as you said thank you very much and words and our myriad definitions of words are honestly the crux of this whole debate right like safety sex intimacy if we rounded up all your listeners right now and had them each write a definition of those words i guarantee it would it would cover a wide range of what people think that is and i think toxic masculinity air bunnies um, is another one of those things. And, and I think what, what I'm talking about is this idea that violence is how you get what you need or think you want or think you need. And that white men in particular are raised in our Western culture to sort of feel that way. And that doesn't mean that every white man will try to get what he wants by bringing a gun into a place, but that there's a really great book called *Mediocre*, um, written by Igoma Oluo, and the subtitle is *The Dangerous Legacy of White Male of, of White Male America*. And it she really talks about how white men are set up in this country to um, to not have to try that hard to get what they need and to be successful, and that it creates a sense of entitlement. It creates a sense of um, you know it supports patriarchy. It supports just this idea that you can, should, and deserve to have whatever you want. And that, you know, in, this, in the case of the Atlanta shootings, the shooter said that he did what he did because he was tired of being tempted by these women in these establishments. That sounds it's like- It's a
0: shadow side. You're saying it's the shadow side of empowerment. It's an over the top entitlement in a way that has lots of implications and lots of historical. Ties in there absolutely so you were about to talk about respect massage too
1: yeah, well, I think so I think that this is you know uh, the massage therapy profession i I've been in the profession for seventeen years, which I think some people would say is I'm still in my infancy and i'm I'm open to that feedback for sure because <laughs> massage has been around for a long time, and I feel lucky to have as mentors people who have been in this profession for much longer than that. but I feel like in the seventeen years that I've been in this profession. I have seen an ongoing sense of wanting to have our cake and eat it too. That we, we talking speaking of entitlement, massage therapy wants to demand respect while we deregulate ourselves, while we continue to be unable to elevate education standards on a national level. And I'm not just talking about ours, I'm talking about competency, that anytime we get close to sort of pushing that level higher, there's just sort of a sense of like, well, some people won't be able to come or, you know, how do we do it without making people unhappy? And, um, you know, I feel like respect massage it feels to me a little too black and white, that it's sort of like, if I put this sticker on the window of my practice on my website, I will not be victimized by people who are seeking sex. And Did that, we
0: get enough context for people to know what we're talking about when we say? Uh, maybe massage? not. Yeah. Maybe what not. is respect massage?
1: So uh, a few, I guess it was probably six or eight months ago, maybe, it might have been a bit longer than that, Um, ABMP launched a program called Respect Massage, and it um, provides some basic modules about sort of um, how to look for sort of buzzwords, maybe, like if if a person is calling for a massage and they might be actually hoping to get sex or some sexual act as part of that, that there are certain words that people use that you can use to sort of screen out and how to just really how to... I'll just, I'll expose my bias and say how to pretend that by knowing buzzwords and putting a sticker on your practice, you can make culture be different. (laughs) And so my, my struggle with that is I understand the desire of the profession to keep practitioners safe. And I understand the fear of practitioners. I have had people who it is a triggering event. I feel like a very I guess, sort of sexually open and and sort of liberated person. But when I have been asked for sex in my practice, it is very unsettling. And I feel like I have good communication skills. I set clear boundaries. There are a number of things about how I practice that you would think would, quote, unquote, protect me from that. And as long as I practice in America and in a place where people are stunted in the way they experience intimacy, the ways they think about sex and the ways that the public is allowed to think about massage therapy. I think we have to go a lot deeper than a sticker on our window and some basic modules. Like, I think we have to go into ourselves and say, what are my stories about sex? What are my stories about people who would ask me for sex when quote, unquote, clearly that's not what I do. And how do I, You know, I was talking with a male colleague uh, just a few days ago who said that um, he had a gentleman that he was working with. He did the whole session, and toward the end of the session, this client asked him, "Do you do releases?" And and he said, "My practice is so like clinical." I was thinking, "Is he talking about like a medical release? Like what is he talking about?" And and basically, the client came out and said, "No, like do you offer hand jobs?" And my friend, my colleague, said, "That's a misdemeanor." And I thought, "Oh, like." Why do we have to criminalize the person who is asking for a hand job? Like there was, I got to
0: tell you, I worked years ago. I mean, this has been a, a theme throughout my career, and starting almost forty years ago at the Esalen Institute, which was in some ways one of the birthplaces of the sexual revolution, as well as many of the traditions that have worked their way into our bodywork uh-huh. uh, practice in this country. Yeah. Where really the theme was uh, the senses. Yes, And in all their forms, including present moment experience, including waking up to our perception, including really hearing each other, and including sexuality. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I remember leaving, uh, you got me on a tangent now, I remember leaving Big Sur, the Esalen Institute, after pretty much living there for five years, and uh, going, first of all, to teach a workshop in Kansas City, Missouri, this is the late 80s where my host had to say, okay, now let me give you an orientation. Most people are going to think massage means sex. Mm-hmm. And so we spend all our time trying to clarify that for people. Yep. Then I went and taught at a big uh, massage school. I have a national reputation. It's not around anymore. Probably shouldn't mention their name because of what I'm about to tell you. And there the protocol was if uh, a man on the table had an erection, we were to tell our students to immediately stop the treatment, go to the head of the table, get eye contact and say, I notice you have an erection uh, We're this is not what we're here for. And Ugh. Basically, if you're OK with uh, on my boundaries, I, mean, I can't remember the exact protocol, then we continue. Otherwise, it's sessions over.
1: Yeah. I mean, so this,
0: yeah. So this is a big culture shock for me coming from yeah. the US Institute in the 80s. Which right. anyway, I'll let you get back to your story, but I just had no, to... no, I, this
1: is completely relevant. And I think, yeah. I mean, this is one of the many ways that we're steered wrong in massage school. And, and honestly, it points me back to our limited understanding of the nervous system. And that if a person has an erection while they're getting a massage, they're experiencing pleasure. Uh-huh. They're not necessarily imagining you in a sexual way. And what quicker way to ruin somebody's pleasure and be like, oh, do you, oh, it looks like you have an erection, let's, let's talk about this, you know, and like that to, if the person starts playing with their penis, if the person starts shuffling with the drape, I mean, there are things that happen where the, where you can tell that the client is like, I want you to know that I'm having an erection. In my experience, more often than not, that person is wishing they weren't doing that because they don't want it to be any more sexual than you do. And that, why don't we understand the body enough to say like, this is like snoring or drooling. The body, the Uh autonomic nervous system has said, this is great what's happening right now. And relax into this.
0: You're saying an erection is not behavior. Behavior is maybe the first level of things that we want to pay attention to. And you're also implying that even then we don't exactly know how to interpret behavior.
1: Right. Right. And, and we can't, I think that this is you know, so you were talking, I think we were, I don't remember if we were recording it when we were talking about safety. And I do a lot of work in the um, diversity equity belonging space and kind of specifically supporting white people and understanding their role in undoing the dynamics of racism, or at least becoming more aware of whiteness and what it means. And that what we talk about when we start any of our classes is that this is not a safe space. This is a brave space which means that mistakes will be made and that everyone in this room is going to believe and think the best of each other. And that my questions will come from curiosity rather than accusation. My assumptions Mm. about you, I will bring greater awareness to them. And that if a mistake happens, we are agreed that it was a mistake from which we can either choose to become further apart from each other, or we can invest in repairing this and and drawing wisdom from, wow, let me fully understand the dynamic of what went wrong here. And I I think one of the places where people um, stop listening or feel like this is, like we're sort of Pollyanna, right, for thinking this is, this won't keep you from being victimized. Having good boundaries, having good communication, it will help. I think having better education and sort of establishing massage therapy as less of a luxury service possibly could help. But this is a even well beyond our profession, cultural thing that we need to address about what is intimacy, what is not intimacy. We've had a number of people say in various responses to our social media things about our upcoming symposium, well, intimacy is great, but not in my treatment room. I have news for you massage is intimate touch is intimate being vulnerable which our clients are agreeing to be naked and prostrate while we are standing and clothed that is a vulnerable position and as a caregiver i think we do our best work when we are also in some degree of vulnerability more intimacy holding space for someone to receive care is an intimate relationship whether you are addressing someone's ql or whether they've come for a quote a fluff and buff that there is nothing about that that isn't intimate you can pretend that there's yeah. no intimacy happening there yeah. but that is intimacy that is not sexual and you am
0: saying would, that we have to good. yeah we have to be in the same waters we have to be willing to swim in those waters of intimacy or connection or in order to even have an effective connection absolutely okay
1: and, and I think we get confused, too, because so you have a client who's single and they say, I'm single and this is the only touch I get.
0: Huh.
1: And how many massage therapists like take in a breath and go, oh, God, like make right. this moment pass. And it's like this person isn't saying, please have sex with me. Uh-huh. They're just saying thank you for bringing touch and pleasure to my body, because that's so, not a thing I get from a partner right now.
0: That's that's a good example. So what are some uh, alternative responses? to hoping the moment will pass.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for telling me that. Like that's it. We're not suggesting you become an ad hoc talk therapist. You don't have to process it when your elderly client says, this is so great. I really clients will say elderly clients. I had an elderly client say, I really miss sex with my husband. He died last year. And this one was like in her seventies. And you know, like I noticed my bias about older people and sex. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the worst person ever. Of course you do. Like that makes so much sense. And, but I can see that being a session jarring moment for lots of therapists, because this person just mentioned sex and they're old and they're like, how many biases got called into question by this simple sharing that We talk a lot in oncology massage and palliative care massage training about how many of the things that our clients share with us, it's like they're putting a hook in the water and they want to see if you will bite it or if you're going to swim past it and hope it doesn't catch you. And when somebody shares something like that with you, they're wondering if you can hold it. And if you respond like, whoo, let me just change the part of the body I'm working on or, you know, you make a joke or just try to diffuse it you have told them that you're not a safe place to to share that information
0: i get the analogy the hook in the water your client saying something that you could respond to you could take the hook yeah i want a different i want to i want to figure out a different analogy because that still sounds like there's a there's a fisherman and
1: that's it's true. about
0: it's about yeah. taking the catch you know and getting hooked we're talking about getting hooked psychologically yeah. or whatever yeah yeah it's i mean in your story about your elderly client that just that's uh that's a tearjerker, in a way. Uh-huh. She was she was just share. I imagine I don't know idea, but she was just sharing this incredibly intimate longing yeah. feeling that your touch and your situation was evoking in her. Yeah, and maybe you're right that the 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 reframe would be something like she's asking if you'll play there in terms of her feeling her feeling yes. of longing.
1: Yeah, and. And I think the other mistake people make when we talk about this is that is that I'm suggesting or that we're suggesting that you engage in ongoing conversations with people about their sexual activity. I you see. may never talk with 98 percent of your clients about anything overtly sexual or sensual.
0: OK, let me are... go ahead. No, you you mentioned I mean, you in your uh, your blog post, you had the phrase sex work is work and that's a phrase that I'm seeing more as I start to read into the backstory here and see what's going on in the culture yeah say anything about that
1: well I think that you know one of the questions that you had asked me in preparation for this was what are the counterpoints to the established narrative and what voices don't get heard and I feel like this is another thing that's at the crux of our inability to have a a useful and productive conversation within the profession and across professions about sex and boundaries and intimacy and all of these things is that there are tons of voices that impact our understanding of this situation that we don't ever hear firsthand. So we make up stories for sex workers because we don't, directly engaged with people, most of us don't have a relationship with someone who is a sex worker. So our stories come from TV, from, you know, special victims unit, law and order. They come from our assumptions culturally that these people, air bunnies again, are something else and that they are people who can't find a better job, who, you know, have a history of abuse, who, and when you really look at the data about people who consider themselves sex workers, That's not the standard. But because those voices aren't lifted up, we have no choice but to make up stories for them. And those stories support our narrative that we are better than them. Mm. You
0: You said something like 2 million people, you said it, 2 million people in the US are in some way or shape or form sex workers.
1: Yeah. Six times as many
0: body workers would identify. Those
1: those are people people who would identify on a survey that they are sex workers. So the estimate is actually that there are quite a few more people who are doing that work.
0: So you're saying it's really common. You're saying we have lots of assumptions we don't know because it's so marginalized and invisible and we we fill in the blanks.
1: And the human trafficking community as well is another like people who have been trafficked. Those are not voices we hear. The dynamic and the places where massage therapy does and doesn't overlap with human trafficking and poor regulation is really poorly understood in our profession and even the loudest sort of most educated voices in that space have a a sort of myopic focus on like, this is how we stop it in massage. And I feel like the invitation here is to go much broader and say like, what human suffering is leading to these dynamics? And how do we keep healthcare providers of all kinds safe, while we address the power dynamics and the class issues and the patriarchy and all the things that lead to these bad actors, as we like to call them, and these potentially dangerous situations, we can't just say, well, we have to go far upstream because those solutions will not be realized for 30, 40 years. Right now, people are, or at least feel like they're in danger. So we do need to do something, but I feel like we tend to be reactive and sort of band-aid oriented. And like, how do I make it so that I don't have to feel uncomfortable? And you're there perfect. aren't any sustainable solutions within comfort.
0: <laughs> I see. So for solutions, we might have to be uncomfortable. You're saying, mm-hmm. but you're I mean, the trafficking topic is so uh, powerful. I a few years ago, I wrote a chapter for Susan Savo's book about mm-hmm. it. So I dove into it, did a bunch of research, and just completely opened my eyes to. It. Like you said, it was invisible to me. Didn't That's even cool. realize the extent. And the depth and even then my it's almost like realizing what i don't know because there's such a broad range of experiences yeah and I, anything i say about it is going to miss the you know miss the diversity that happens within that but the fact that it is some of probably the most concentrated human suffering in a way not just yeah. in the sex industry but also uh, things like online scamming. There's basically, oh yeah, human trafficking where people are being forced to work as programmers for for scamming operations, all sorts Absolutely. of crazy stuff. Yeah, anyway, I want that's that's gonna be a future episode. I uh, there was a probably the story could be repeated in any city, but there was a recent story in Denver where a client went into a massage establishment and was asked if he wanted a happy ending or whatever the phrase was. And he was shocked. He thought he was coming for a therapeutic massage and asked the practitioner about it. And she started crying. Yeah. And he realized she was really upset. Mm-hmm. So he went to the police and that ended up to you know closing the whole place down. But that's where the story in the newspaper stopped. Right. Too. I was like, right. okay, so what happened to her? Right. What happened how did she to get there? And
1: what yeah, happened? How yeah.
0: How did she get here? What happened to her family? Yep. You know, the money she owed. Who knows? I'm making up all these like stories. I don't know. Yeah. What what happens next? Not only to her, but then you're saying, what are the human dynamics on on the consumer side, on the societal side, on the host country side as well? Absolutely. Allowing that to happen. Yeah. And we miss. I think if I get your point, you were missing the chance to constructively engage in that by by spending our time making distinctions.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and it really is about. It boils down to the very human desire to feel safe and to maintain comfort. And wow. it's so ingrained in us that we don't even know we're doing it. But that, I mean, you know, in our end of life courses, we talk about how you know, when somebody, somebody gets hit on their bike in the city, they get hit by a car. And the first question is, were they wearing a helmet? Because I always wear my helmet. And so if I got hit by a car that I wouldn't die, right? Like that's why I'm asking. When I say how old was a person when I heard that they've died, what I wanna know is how far can I make myself from this situation. And so I feel like when the Atlanta shootings happened our profession wanted to know well was this a legit quote unquote establishment or was this a place that sorry to say it deserved for this to kind of happen. And this is why we're fighting so that it's real clear that those places are that and my place is this. And that doesn't lift up humans. That keeps us small, it keeps us in a scarcity mindset, it keeps us in a protective mindset and we don't create sustainable solutions from that place of how do I make sure I don't have to feel, how do I make sure that I don't ever have to manage the nuances of human experience and how humans are unpredictable. And we have created a culture that leads us to be unkind to ourselves and to each other. And those are the, the big issues that we have to solve, but we, we will not solve them if we, Keep fighting each other and if we keep demonstrating that what we're mostly interested is our own personal safety
0: Hmm. Hmm. wow okay so how hmm. let's let that sit for a second
1: yeah
0: how about us how about us as practitioners that question how do we take care of ourselves around this
1: yeah our own
0: safety but also our own physical uh, humanness you could say
1: yeah well i mean no nobody's gonna like this answer but it does start with you what really? are what are your stories about uh-huh. pleasure well yes certainly for you till it starts with you I'm but with or, okay, you know, I'm on. whoever out there it starts with them that in each of us uh-huh. before we get into this like really Loudmouth advocacy that we love to do we see a problem and we want to sign a petition we want to send money we want to whatever it is that we feel we have to do something outward what we're doing when we do that is discharging the feelings that we're having inside that we wish we weren't having right Mm. we want to do so that we don't have to be with the conflictedness inside us like this is so exciting to me because it's so difficult there are so many layers There's so many feelings, there's so many opportunities for us to live differently, to see each other differently. And so I feel like whether it's taking care of our clients or taking care of ourselves, we can't do either of those things until we look inside ourselves, Mm. until Mm. we notice the stories we're telling. Like, what are your stories about sex? What are your stories about pleasure? Um, You know, asking yourself, when was the last time I allowed myself to feel pleasure? Mm. What led to it? How did it feel after? How many stories cascaded in about whether or not I deserve to have that pleasure? Or if I would mention it to anyone, is this my secret thing? How quickly does pleasure shift into shame? What mm. are the dynamics inside me? What did I learn from my parents? What did I learn in college? What am I learning from movies? And, you know, all sorts of different places that we would say don't influence us, but the voices we hear in our heads are so often not our own. And so can we understand that we are also, You know, I feel like this became so clear to me with COVID that massage therapists were very upset, understandably, that we couldn't touch people for an extended period of time. And then when things started to lift and people started to come get massage again, and I saw in so many places online and heard so many people say like, I'm so glad because these people have been isolated for so long, and now I can, you know. And it's like you're one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what's happening in your clients' bodies is also happening in your body, and or yes. isn't happening, and that you feel the same loss, you feel the same struggles. So we get this like position of expertise that we create for ourselves that makes distance, as though I can address the problems in your body, but never get very well acquainted with mine, mm. and that is never going to work.
0: You're asking us to look at our relationship to pleasure, our own. Yeah. And the history, baggage, assumptions, stories we have about that. It just brings to mind, I mean, a lot for me personally, but there's also the idea that we spend in my particular niche in the field, a lot of time thinking about pain. Yeah. And in some ways the counterpoint or the answer to pain really is pleasure. Yeah. And it's not like it's either, or it's almost like all pain gets more bearable if there's also pleasure. in a sense.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, this is another story, massage therapists, we love to tell this story about how we improve function by addressing musculoskeletal issues, issues, and through like manual manipulation, but Sounds I, good. I've, I've right. And, and I don't think that's wrong, uh-huh. but I think that people come back to us because of the intimacy they experience, because mm-hmm. of the connection, because of the it's a sensually oh pleasurable experience to receive a massage. And the same
0: is same is true for my workshops, by the way. Uh,
1: undoubtedly. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: we advertise all the technical stuff.
1: Yeah. They come back yeah.
0: because of the intimacy, because of the connections, because absolutely. of absolutely the gatherness we experienced.
1: And we have a story that that is somehow less sacred or less important or less uh-huh. valuable. That if people are just coming back as I make them feel good, then how can I be a healthcare provider? How can I be a technician, a clinician? The stories that we say that we sort of want to elevate ourselves beyond pleasure. What could be more valuable than pleasure?
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. So,
1: and the pleasure that I do derive from when I came in, my knee prevented me from. Playing tennis, riding my bike, doing some other pleasurable activity. So not only did I feel pleasure and maybe some discomfort while you uh, were working with me, but now I have the pleasure of being able to do with my body what I want to do with it. That is pleasure. We we should just nice. like say the word pleasure to ourselves in the mirror and just like get comfortable <laughs> with saying. <it.
0: laughs> All right, <laughs> we're gonna work that into the title somewhere. Excellent. I can see Excellent. that? No, that's so good. That's great. All right. So uh, anything else? Before I ask you about your symposium, because I do want to hear about that, but any, any other points you want to make or things you want to touch on?
1: Oh, man, there's so much. I, I guess yeah. I would just say that if you're having feelings listening to us having this conversation, that is a sign that there's more here and you can be with those feelings and you can feel them and let them change and let them shift. And but feeling is not an indication that we should run away. And you're I, talking
0: I, to the people that made it this far into the episode.
1: Well, truly. I mean right. and, <laughs> and bless you. all of yes. you. <laughs> you made it this far. There's something to learn. That's good. Totally.
0: <laughs> Great. Anything else? Uh,
1: that's probably good for now. That's
0: good for now, huh. So tell us yeah. about your symposium. What uh, you you know you I imagine that's part of your answer to these problems you start naming is your idea of having a symposium. But what specifically did you want to bring forth? Tell us about the presenters, anything else?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because we started down this road a few years ago, um, sort of inspired and invited by one of our social worker colleagues who um, is a palliative care social worker uh, who, just like on a whim, asked one of her elderly palliative care folks about their, if they were getting touch at home or how has their illness or their partner's illness affected their sex life? Something like that. Um, because it, one of her colleagues had said like, that's not, people don't want to talk about that. And this person very much wanted to talk about it. And now she has really made this one of the, one of the foci of her career. Is that right? Foci or focus? Focuses? Okay. I
0: mm, have to look it up. But
1: She looks at it with a real focus in her profession <laughs> and, um, and has written papers about just asking invites that it is a safe conversation. Not everyone will want to dive into that conversation, but by saying, as a social worker, I'm not saying as a massage therapist, you should do this, but that this is a thing that people are thinking about. Mm. And that if they share, we should be prepared in addressing this whole person to receive this information.
0: People are thinking about sexuality, intimacy. And if they share that as a social worker, we should be prepared. To engage there.
1: And I think as massage therapists, if a person says something that feels sexual to you, that is not a proposition that is not, you know, but obviously like there are things where you can tell that a person is sort of leading you into something that is, they want you to perform a sex act on mm-hmm. them, with them. Mm-hmm. But if a person just mentions, you know, since my husband was diagnosed with MS, our sex life has really changed that you can be okay with a person saying that without freaking out, without being afraid, they're going to say something about it next time that, you know, as well as I do that with lots of clients, part of the therapy for them is just talking and that your willingness to allow them to talk and to say, to just mirror back to them. That makes sense to me. That sounds hard. All of the things that you could say just says like, yeah, come on in. I'm going to touch you while this is happening. And you might not even share if I wasn't touching you. I mean, this is the thing. Right. That's right? the context.
0: Yeah. But you're saying we don't have to push it away. We don't have to reassert our boundary necessarily if that boundary's right. not being challenged. But we also don't have to lean into to try to fix it or change it. Absolutely. We're just keeping them company in some sort of middle place there. Yeah. Either towards Norway, just right there.
1: Yeah. And I would say, I think that, you know, you said, is there anything else? I think one of the things too, is that when we think about the people who come to our practices, who ask for sex, Mm -hmm. certainly there are examples of people who have become violent, who have been dangerous. But I would argue from my talking with lots of people about this, that nine times out of 10, neither of you wants to be in a situation where you're not getting what you want. When a person comes to a massage session, hoping that sex will be part of it, They want you to say yes. They don't want to come to a place where they're expecting a no. Uh So when you say no and you say no, clearly, that's a perfect place. I think when we're talking about, you know, the the guidance you get about erections, that's Uh a great place to be like, oh, actually, that's not a thing that I do. And I am totally okay if you want to end the session now. And I'm sorry that I, you know, that you thought that that might happen, but, you know, that's not yep. a thing to do and not, that's a misdemeanor. I'm going to call the police. It's just, that's not something I do because I'm sorry, massage therapists, but there are massage therapists out there who also offer sex. Mm-hmm. So it's that's something you know, I'm
0: learning as well as I learn more about this, that there's, there's just a whole lot of people there in both professions.
1: Yep. What Absolutely. would
0: that be like? What must that be like to be in our profession, where it's, and you said in quotes, legitimate, yeah, and yet realize a big part of your practice is foot in the other world. Absolutely, huh.
1: it is complicated. So it is
0: complicated, and not that there's not good reasons. I mean, I've I've said a couple of things that I just I'm feeling like it's disclaimer time here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> if we made it this far, there's good reasons why we have professional boundaries. There's good reasons why we got here. You know, yes. we, and uh, those can't be ignored either. This is all assuming that uh, that's the case, that we have good boundaries, that we have these distinctions in place. And you're bringing us an awareness of how the uh, reaction or the rigidity of those boundaries might actually be not serving us, not serving our clients.
1: And that's really, I mean, uh, speaking of stories we tell that aren't useful, boundaries and intimacy are not antithetical. In fact, the way you create safety is by having clear boundaries Mm. and safety fosters intimacy. So it it actually, you can have all of that, (laughs) but boundaries aren't solid. And I think we hate that, you know, that like effective boundaries are permeable. They are contextual, Mm. you know, they do require serious self-awareness and the ability to you know, read social cues and, um, you know, boundaries aren't, I never do this. And I always do this. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are, oh, in this moment with this person, Mm -hmm. I am feeling unsafe. I am feeling welcome. I am feeling whatever. And that if another Mm -hmm. person on another day said, or did that thing, I might feel differently. Mm -hmm. And that I have to be open to the nuanced reality of human experience. That's it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Tell us one thing about your presenters. And your symposium?
1: Um, oh, gosh, they're amazing. They <laughs> are. I think the thing I want to tell you is that we were very nervous calling all of them because they are big potatoes. Uh, they are published researchers, authors, subject matter experts on a national and sometimes international level on good for you. sex advocacy, disability advocacy, living in big bodies. Um, we have a woman who is a professor of gerontology who's going to talk with us about intimacy and um, as it relates to older adults like and every one of them was so excited to be invited to the symposium and almost all of them said oh my gosh hang on while I open my virtual Rolodex you have to call this person you have to call this person Mm. we should have this voice represented these are people for whom there are no stupid questions these are people Mm. who are coming to this event with us to answer the questions that people are afraid to ask. And we're hosting it on this amazing platform that will allow us to have small conversations and breakout rooms between presentations and really allow people to connect. Um, If people register and they can't come, they can watch the videos later. Mm -hmm. Um, You will miss out on those small breakout groups because we won't record those to really, again, foster intimacy and allow people to share as openly as they'd like. But um, we have incredible panelists, people who just, have lived, worked, and breathed in this space of liberation, of advocacy, of blowing up the status quo in the service of all humans for many years, and I—I I mean, I'm glad I get to be there because it's going to be incredible.
0: Well, I'm going to be there. I'm going to come. In full disclosure, I hit you up for a ticket, a couple of tickets, because I wanted to be there, but also I wanted to talk, have you come on the podcast and talk about it. So. That's uh, the deal. I wanna go there too. I I think it's great what you're doing, Cal. And when you
1: go to the registration page, you just scroll down, you can see the entire agenda, including links to all of the speaker bios. And we have an equity pricing structure for all of our courses and things, not Mm -hmm. just for the symposium. The early bird pricing ends September 1st. So um, get in there now. You can come for $75. That is the equity price. We're still waiting for NCB to decide if they wanna give us seven and a half credits uh, for your attendance. Not, we have not this heard back yet. Interesting. This is
0: 2022 we're in. So for the long tail people, will it be available by recording?
1: It will. Yep. If okay. you register before the, before the event happens, you will be able to watch it for, I think a year afterwards. Okay, cool. Yep.
0: Well, we'll put the, of course, links in the show notes. I want a couple other links, the book you mentioned, etc. cetera, yeah, a link to your blog post. Uh, how should people find out more beyond that? Is that a good
1: list? I think that's a good list and come check us out. You know, we have, Heal has a, a private online community where we are having these conversations every day. We made it private because there's just, it is a brave space. There are rules of engagement, and it is a place where there are no stupid questions, and there is also no room for shaming and attacking. It's really like, I want to know how to be in the world in a more embodied way, and Mm. can you help me? We've got, it's interdisciplinary. I'd say we've got about 85% massage therapists, but we've got Mm. social workers, psychotherapists, just people taking care of people, having the meaty conversations, um, and really listening and being surprised.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Cal. Okay, so people can't come. Or to your symposium, or be part of your community, or even if they can.
1: Yeah. What are are
0: your closing thoughts on how we can keep growing, taking care of ourselves, taking care of our clients in these realms?
1: Well, I mean, it all starts in your own mind, your own heart, your own body. Um, Get curious. Stay with what comes up. Let yourself be surprised. Find somebody else who is having a hard time talking about this, and talk about it together. And say, "Oh man!" Like as soon as they say this word, I, I have a hard time with that. And um, you know, uh. really, I think it starts with you. And if you're talking about how to solve these big problems, we have to go upstream. We have to look at why do people feel out of control? Why do people feel they need to seize power? Why do we have these dynamics in our culture? And, and what can we each do to broaden our perspective beyond our personal safety and to really look at how do we achieve liberation as humans on this really struggling planet thank you cal thanks Dale.
0: i am gonna uh, do our sponsor ending sponsor announcement and i'm gonna say goodbye to you but uh our ending sponsor today is handspring publishing and when i was looking for a publisher when i wanted to write a book i ended up with two offers one from a large international media conglomerate and the other from Handspring, which at that time was a small publisher in Scotland run by just four people who had a love of great books in our field. And I'm really glad I chose them because they helped me make the books that I wanted to share, the AMT series, which are in their third printing, and their catalog has emerged as one of the leading collections of professional-level books written especially for bodyworkers, movement teachers, and all professionals who use movement or touch to help patients achieve wellness. They were recently joined with Jessica Kingsley Publishers' Integrative Health Singing Dragon imprint, where their amazing impact continues. Head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check out their list of titles and be sure to use the code TTP at checkout for a discount. Thanks for helping make this possible handspring and thanks to all of our sponsors. Come by my site or Whitney's site for the show notes and extras. Whitney's site is academyofclinicalmassage.com, my site advanced-trainings.com. Their questions, guests, topics, feedback you wanna give us, email us at info at Or look for us both on social media, just with our names. Rate us on Apple Podcasts as it helps other people find the show. And you can hear us on Spotter, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else you listen. Please do share the word. Tell a friend. Cal, thank you again so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you all so much for sticking with us. It's important.